You're listening to the OKS Fisher Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Well, here we are. We're back again to talk more ice fishing gear. How are we doing, Matt? We're here, we're live, and we're together. Together, hanging out in my basement, believe it or not, on a Monday, because we're both playing hooky from work. <laughs> not exactly. So we're going to beat up on some more gear talk. I know it kind of gets repetitious. You'd probably rather listen to somebody else talk about catching fish rather than the gear to catch fish. But let's be honest, you got to have your gear working correctly if you're going to catch fish effectively. And you have to have the proper gear to do so. Right. So if you're not new to this, maybe you'll pick something up. Then again, maybe you won't, but that's the beauty of fishing is you go fishing with somebody or listen to somebody else new talk about it, you might pick something up. I think we're going to talk about jigging equipment today. We we hit on tip-ups pretty hard last time. So jigging equipment, rods, reels, types of line, lures, how to store it. Let's dive into it. Let's do it. I will preface by saying you do not need fancy equipment to go ice fishing. No. You can do a bucket and an old school rod, just like grumpy old men. Certainly. I mean, the Green Hornet has probably caught more fish than anybody's lied about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's uh let's start by what's your favorite rod reel setup for pan fishing? It's pretty yeah. common through the ice. Yeah, I mean, I there's a lot of good options out there. It seems like with the popularity of ice fishing growing, we've seen all sorts of companies pop up out of the woodwork, but um, a couple of my favorite panfish rods, one is a, a, a little uh, one that's made by somebody locally. Uh, I don't even know whose blanket is, but it's a nice little rod made by my local bait shop that I really enjoy. And I, I paired it up with a little, I think it's a 500 series Shimano Sienna, you know, not a real expensive reel. Um, I, I put four pound test on it just because I can horse, you know, I always end up catching bass while I'm bluegill fishing, bluegill or perch fishing. It never fails. You hook into a, an 18 inch bass and two pound test. You can land them on it, but it's nice to have just a little bit more oomph behind it. Um, another one I really like is that, uh, the Jason Mitchell series meat stick. I think clam makes it. And I like the fact that they kind of have like a spring bobber built in. The tip is very soft. So if you don't want to mess around with, with uh, the spring bobbers and having to de-ice them all the time, that's really a nice option. Yep, you got the sensitivity of it and still some backbone there. Cause I've had those spring bobbers, when they freeze up, they uh, tend to not work like they're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. What about you? What's your favorite for, we'll go, we'll, we'll stick with bluegill. Uh, you touched on it. I like the meat stick. I got a, 24 inch um same setup and i just went with the reel that came with the rod um that's my go-to quick easy drop down solid backbone i paired it with a five pound fire line though sure totally difference there and then i like um beaver dam had i don't know if they still do but they have a rod um ice fishing rod with a magnetic spring tip that comes out you can actually tuck it back in too for heavier fishing and I pair that with uh, a Frable fly reel. Nice. Easy drop down. Yeah. I, those those reels are kind of intriguing to me. I bought an Eagle Claw one. I didn't care for it a whole lot. I just, it wasn't my favorite favorite type of reel to use. Uh, maybe I'll 
break it back out and put another put it on another rod and see how it works for me but i don't know i just was so subject to tangling and maybe it was the, the, the line i put on it you know and that's something we'll cover here in a little bit is, is line but i think uh er, everything you got to play with some of this stuff and, and really find out what you like and what you don't and what you don't maybe list it on marketplace and move on to the next thing mm-hmm. and for the most part, ice fishing gear is a little cheaper than regular fishing gear. So you could, your barrier, right. barrier to entry is a lot lower. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to spend 60, 80, 90, you know, dollars on a, on a reel to put on a, a little jig pole for, for catching bluegills or even walleyes for that matter. Mm-hmm. You just don't need to spend that kind of money on it. It's nice, but what good is it if it sits in your basement more, more part of the year than not? Exactly. I think the most expensive rig I have in there is a St. Croix rod. It was like 40 bucks for just the rod. Sure. Everything else is package deal at, you know, bait shops or whatever they're selling. So. Absolutely. So what is probably one of your favorite reels out of that conglomeration of stuff you brought? <laughs> the messy tackle box. <laughs> oh, that's not so bad. That That's a pretty nice, nice setup you have though, too. And we'll, we'll discuss that here in a bit. Uh, if we're still talking panfish. I like the fly reels. Do you? Uh, they're a little finicky with drag, but on the lighter fish, you don't really need much drag. No, you uh, certainly don't. You hook into a bass, you almost got to thumb it a little bit. Even sure. Better, I don't know how to set the drag properly on it. Well, that's something we can always dive down the rabbit hole with later. How about, uh, say you were fishing perch or walleyes. What's what's your favorite rig for that? I just go a little bit heavier on the setup. Um, my favorite walleye, and I do a lot of ice fishing for trout too. Sure. Uh, is the Berkeley? Nobody can see it, but it's the yellow rod in there. Okay, it's just a little beefier, um, basically like the top half of a open water fishing rod cut off. Okay, I see that. Uh, and I just uh, I pair it with just a standard. I think it's a Fluger on there, or a cheap Berkeley for Fluger HT Berkeley Shakespeare. Shakespeare makes that one. Yep. Again, you don't need anything super expensive as long as it's got some drag that you can work with. That's really the main thing. And doesn't freeze up. Yeah. Yeah. And those, these reels work just fine for that. I mean, you don't need, like I said, you don't need a 60 to $90 reel to put on ice fishing. Nope. I think that combo was probably 20 bucks. Perfect. So if a trout were to take it down the hole, which is very possible. And I've caught them on there before. That's, yep. uh, and I used to use a little heavier line. I think that's eight pound. Sure. It looks to be. Yep. That's what I use for bigger fish. Um, I do have one bigger rod that I don't have in that box. That's a St. Croix, and it's paired with an Akuma reel, and that's for jig and pike. Okay. Big, basically a broomstick. So. Yep. Nice, heavy one. Yep. What do you use for walleye? Uh, walleye, walleye, perch, pike. You know, I say perch because typically if I'm jigging for perch, it's going to be deeper, so I need bigger, heavier line to get, you know, handle the tackle that's uh, hooked up to it. If it's a pencil weight with a small jig or something like that, or even a heavier jigging spoon for deeper water. Um, I've got a St. Croix, and I think it's about 32 inches long. It might even be a premier rod, and I don't know if they even make it anymore, but I paired that with a 1,000 series Shimano spinning reel. It's probably a $30 reel, and I hooked that. I run a six-pound test. Uh, I think I even run fluorocarbon on that. Just for jigging, it it doesn't work so bad for jigging, and it doesn't hold too much memory. Whatever fluorocarbon I wound it with, uh, but you're throwing heavier lures too. Yeah, to straighten it out a little bit. Yep, it does. So the bigger jigging rappel is um, 
you know, some of the like Swedish pimples or any of the bigger flashy flash baits. Um, those, those are what I would, would use on that rod. Uh, and then like the small rattle baits too. I see you got one rod rigged up with a rattle bait there. Mm-hmm. Um, those work really well for really aggressive perch and, and, uh, and bass for that matter. And trout. That's what it, trout. That's what we use them for. You bet. Now on those heavier rods, do you run a quick clasp or do you direct tie? I actually do run the the quick clasp just because it's much easier to change out baits. You know, if I get a bait, a fish to come and look at a bait, but maybe they don't want it, I can either switch rods or with the quick clasp, I can switch to maybe something that's a little bit smaller presentation. And it's really still, fast. And the lures are bigger to begin with, so it's yeah. not as noticeable. I don't use those usually on panfish rigs. No, never. Time. Never. Yep, exactly. I noticed you didn't have any braid on the rods you had down here. I don't, and I've been back and forth. Do I run braid on it or not? You know, I like running braid for my open water stuff in certain applications, but I don't know. I I guess I always preferred running mono, probably because I fish a lot shallower. I think if I were to fish deep more, you know, 20 to 30, 40, 50 feet deep, then I would probably run more often than not a, a braid and i might actually switch braid on that heavier rod now and just tie a leader on and just tie a leader on it's it's not hard to do i have two rods that aren't in here that when we fish sturgeon bay those have braid on them but we're fishing you know the deep reefs the 80 90 100 foot sure so i want something with no flex whatsoever yeah that's that's kind of the way to go for for running deep setups anyway uh six pound eight pound if you have your drag set properly, you're not going to have a problem. And I think that's important, you know, setting your drag properly so you can play the fish to the strengths of the line and the reel that you're you're fishing with. Mm-hmm. You can actually take a $10 Walmart reel and turn it into a St. Croix Premier with the proper drag settings. and Yeah, you certainly can. So we kind of covered line a little bit. Do you ever run monofilament? I see one one or two rods in there with monofilament. Um, what's your go-to for panfish? Um, it's For me, there's a whole bunch of different colors out there. You can get, you can get clear, <laughs> you can get blue, yep. orange, red, every color under the world. I'm yep. not going to lie, I'm pretty okay, and I buy what's on sale. I just keep the poundage in the same area. Yeah. Um, I do use, uh, I got the orange stuff. I think that's trialing fire. I use that because it's easier to see. Sure. So if you have a real light bite, you can actually see your line moving in the water instead yep. of the clear stuff, which is basically impossible. Mm-hmm. What pound test do you prefer? Let's 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 go by species. So bluegill, what what's your favorite? If I knew I was only catching bluegill and nothing else, <laughs> I would run two pound. Sure, sure. But that's never happened ever. So I run typically between three and five pound. Okay. On mine. Okay. Yeah, and I'm. I'm usually like four and six pound test. So my, my bluegill rods, I might have one set up in this box. that has two pound tests, but again, that's if they're really finicky and I know that's what I'm going to be chasing is nothing but bluegills, but very rarely does that happen. We always end up getting a pike that comes and either grabs a jig before the bluegill does or grabs the bluegill after on the way up. Yep. (laughs) So we try to stack the deck in our favor as much as possible. Yep, I won't lie. If if I know the bluegills are biting or very finicky, I'll put an extra tip up out <laughs> until they decide to start eating in a 
in a window or something. I'm with you there too, man. It's nice to be able to kind of cover more ground. If you know that you're not going to have much luck or the panfish are not around or they're just, they're hanging low because there's a lot of, a lot of predatory fish swimming around like the pike and the bass. They kind of lay low in the weeds and the, and the pike and bass are out cruising. Then it's a good day to be chasing flags. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about jigs, man? We can, we can kind of shift gears here and, and talk baits. I mean, we could probably talk baits for hours because there's so many different ideas and theories on, you know, what works best, but sometimes you just got to go with what works for you mm-hmm. instead of listening to everybody else. So when it comes to jigs, I'm very simple, although my little tackle box doesn't look like it. Um, <laughs> I have the one, two, three, the small, medium, large, the smallest jigs, the 16th ounce, you know, the real tiny ones yep. in a couple 30 seconds, finicky bite, real cautious eating fish. Um, that's what I go to. Medium sized baits, you know, get the next couple sizes up. Those are for the more aggressive fish, the quick hole hopping and stuff like that, where you got hot bite going on. And then I got the big ones, mostly for crappie perch when you're dead sticking with a, you know, with a minnow or something like that. So I have the three sizes. Obviously I have a lot more than that, but that's kind of the stuff I go with. Sure. We just grabbed the, my t- messy yeah. box. This this box looks about as uh, healthy as mine does. All the jigs laying everywhere, they fall out. You drop it a few times or you let your kid play with it. It uh, it doesn't uh, do so well. Well, usually it, it looks like that. The start of the season, everything's in perfect order. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through when you're quick popping jigs out, throwing them back in, trying to tie on real quick, that's the end result there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. So basically you got two presentations here, really. If you look at it, you got an horizontal like that uh, marmushka jig or the gens worm or anything like that. You got a couple other little swim baits in there. And then you got, yeah, that's the horizontal presentation. And the vertical presentation, like some of these little teardrops, um, there's a few other ones in here, but moon jigs, things like that. What have you had best luck on? I, there, <clears throat> if you look in there, there's definitely more vertical jigs. Um, I'm sorry, horizontal ones. Horizontals. Yep. yep. I think to me, you could hook a middle bait on there. You can hook any sort of soft plastic waxworm. Those work primarily the best for me. Sure. That's why it's two thirds to a third in there. Yeah. And my box looks about the same where horizontal presentations just look more natural. It looks like something swimming in the water. Not saying verticals don't work because I've had it where I had like that little red one you got there. That's a that's a vertical hang, and for whatever reason, I don't know if they're keying in on the eye of that bait or and maybe not so much as what's dangling off the hook, but they're seeing something. You know, paying attention to where the how the fish is hitting it. If you can watch the fish in shallow water, that's that's pretty beneficial, mm-hmm. and you don't need your your electronics to even see that. If you can sight fish them, that that really helps you hone in on how fast or what you need to do, um, you know, how fast the presentation is, or maybe you need to change to a different size jig or horizontal versus vertical presentation. Yep. How about we pull off of size of jig? What colors do you run? Yeah, it, it depends on body of water. And like, I don't know, I've got my little thing I go through, but it seems like during darker days in both clear and stained water 
I do better off of almost natural or darker colored baits. Purples, purples do really well for me. Um, there's like a titanium color. It's got a multitude, like a rainbow-ish. I think that, they call it titanium. So I got the oil slick ones. Yeah. Those are like the go-to. Yeah, those like those work all the time. So I don't know if they're just keying in off of one little hue and that, that variation of colors on that jig, but that one's like the universal works almost everywhere. Um, if it's sunny days, I like the, the chartreuses, the Kelly Green. Uh, orange works better typically for me in stained water versus clear water. I don't know why, but then again, I've had it where the fish are hungry. They don't care. Yeah, what color it is if it's a sunny nice warm day and they're swimming by and they're hungry they're they're just going to eat it they need a bear hook mm-hmm. pink and white has always been a, a pretty good staple too uh, that works almost all the time what's your uh thought on gold that's my go-to when the fish aren't biting anything else i throw a gold solid gold on and that seems to be the ticket i don't have a lot of gold jigs in my box unfortunately i think i have maybe one or two and like I always, I bought them with the intent of trying them out for something different, but I've never, never done much with them. Reds, reds and purples seem to work really well for me. Um, when fish are keying in, you know, a bit more spooky and it's a cloudy day. Sure. But gold, I've never, never tried. I learned that from an old guy we walked up to on a lake fishing. We couldn't catch a thing jigging. I saw him pulling fish after fish after fish. I'm like, walked up nicely introduced myself and he's like you guys catching any we're like no we came over by you to get the tips he goes put a gold something gold on i'll catch him put something gold on and that day i was 20 some years ago i've always have gold in my box now well that's a lesson learned and it pays to go up and talk to other guys too when you're out there um a lot of people won't they'll just well you know know, we're just going to keep our secret and and not talk to anybody no use that to your advantage, go talk to people. I mean, you'll find more often than not, people are willing to help you catch fish a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just the, the tiniest little thing, you paid attention to the detail. Yep, gold is where it's at. You need to you need to fish a gold gold jig in this lake today. Is is gold day? Yep, and you got to have respect. Yes, if he ain't gonna tell you anything, don't push. No, don't push. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice little tackle box you got there, and I think that's important too. You know we can dive into storage of our gear and this is basically like a fly box. I have a, a one just like this too, packed full of jigs and you fill it up and you go buy another one. You know, they're anywhere from 10 to $20 probably the bigger they get, the more expensive they are. But having a fly box to put your little tiny ice jigs in is really handy. I'm looking at this rod locker. You have, you have, at least a half dozen rods, if not more, in that thing, all stacked in there real nice and neat. And then in between the foam pads where they hold the rods, you have room for tackle boxes, extra line. Tip-up gear, soft tip, plastics. Yeah, you could throw an extra hat in there, gloves in there, whatever. Hand warmers. Hand warmers. <laughs> yep. You have a lot of room in that thing. Where mine, I got that little, it's basically like a fly rod case, but it's very shortened. In the end of it, it's uh, in the boot of it, it's got PVC, so it protects the rods from getting smashed. I used to put all my stuff in a five-gallon pail, and it never failed. The five-gallon pail would tip over, and then all the rods are tangled, and lose, things are a mess. Lose things, your jigs. Lose your jigs because they break off. Mm-hmm. Um, rods get broken real easily. So 
if you you're spending some money on rods, even if you're not, and you just want to keep them around so you don't have to keep replacing them, I think that's a worthwhile investment is to get into a rod locker of some sort or a rod case that will protect the rods from getting smashed. And I lost more rods than the cost of that case before I bought that case. Really? So that's what made me buy the case because I got sick of stepping on a rod or my buddy heater falling and breaking a rod off. And I just like, nope, done. Yeah. Get in a case. Or you set it down and forget it. And at least when you're packing things up, you can look and everything's got a place. And you can go, yep, I know all this stuff is in here. Time to lock it up and go. Yep. Yeah, that was a well worth investment there. Um, and being organized on the ice makes you a more effective fisherman. Yeah, it does. So, you know, you may not have the most expensive rods, but if they're all organized and everything has a place and you can keep it protected, you're just going to have it around for that much longer. Then you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about replacing so much stuff. Yep. And I know we weren't going to dive into tip-ups, but I do buy little tackle boxes that fit in there. I uh-huh. hold all my lights, my bobbers, my extra leaders. That's important. Just to keep everything organized so it's easier to get at. You're not fumbling around on the ice. Yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, I mean, my fishing rods go with me. I mean, I have I have everything set up in my shack. So my shack is a sled. It's, it's the bass boat. And the tip-ups will be in there. The rods will be in there. Even though I'm not using it all, I'm still going to have it with just in case. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we pretty much covered that. Got anything else to add? Um, I think just dive into um, what you do with your reels after you ice fish all day. Uh, see, just when we thought we were out of the woods, <laughs> off the lake, out of the ice, you, you brought that up. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very good at like going back and fixing or doing anything unless I know for a fact it's tangled up real bad. Um, but when I put it away for the year, I probably don't take it apart and clean it and lubricate it basically because it stays in a case and it's not getting basement dust all over it. It's usually pretty well covered up, but it is a good point. Like if you haven't taken the reels, taken the time to take the reels apart, maybe it's time to put new line on because it's been three, four years since you've done it last taking apart and cleaning them up, wiping them down. And you know, if you got some real magic or something like that, just give them a little love with that. What about day-to-day? Go ice fishing, come out, throw the stuff in your truck. <laughs> Does it stay in your truck? or? That, that's a great question because I, I know people, we've done it, right? Yep. You know, yep, hell with it, I'm going again tomorrow. I'll leave the whole thing in the back of the truck. I'm not going to struggle lifting that whole bass boat full of crap out of there. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it in the back of the truck. I got in the habit of taking all of it out because it needs to thaw out, especially tip-ups, anything with braided line. And maybe that's why I don't run so much braided line on my rods because if I know I'm going to go fishing, you know, day after day, I don't have to worry about that being froze up. Yep. But everything comes in the house, and tip-ups usually get run through the ringer. So I got to unspool them, let them kind of dry out, re-spool them, and then they're good to go again. Especially Tip-ups 100% every day come out of the back of my truck and at least go in, you know, the breezeway. Place where it's a little warmer than 10 yep. below zero. Reels, if I don't use them, I don't mind keeping reels in my truck. But if I use reels, we're pan fishing all day, that comes in too. That line's got to dry out. You're just going to be frustrated the next morning. Yeah, you certainly will. So yeah, with that, and then um, I do the same with electronics. Keep electronics. No, I know we're not talking electronics. No, today, but but it's, but it's important, and, and it has to do with gear storage and kind of keeping it squared away. Electronics batteries don't like cold weather; they just don't. It doesn't matter what they are. Um, you need to bring them in. 
if you don't bring them in, you, you you're going to need to charge them. I mean, I know mine mine only lasts for part of the day out on the ice. I bought an extra battery for it just in case, so I I will keep an extra battery out there with me mm-hmm. if I know I'm going to be doing an all day fishathon. I'll uh, I'll bring two batteries with, but you want to bring that stuff in the house. You want to put it back on the charge, let it warm up, and it'll it'll treat you right next time you need it. <laughs> yeah, because if uh, you get pissed off at your electronics or anything, your gear, you're not going to want to fish anymore. <laughs> no, you just get a bad attitude, and bad attitudes lead for a really bad day. Yes. Yep. All right. Anything else? Um, I got a whole bunch of other stuff, but do you? <laughs> Uh, and for another episode, perhaps. I think it's for another episode, yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys again soon.